This podcast is sponsored by MedLite. First and first response. When they trust you to get there, trust Kimtex MedLite Transport Skid Units, the best-selling off-road rescue units in the world. Equipped for medical rescue and compatible with most UTVs, MedLite from Kimtech answers the call. Contact them at 888-546-8358 or kimtechresearch.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to Project Mayday. These are LG and Bree, and today we have Cynthia Rickert. She is 27 years in San Francisco Fire Department, newly retired. Congratulations on that, and she has a bunch of stories in those 27 years. So, Cynthia, welcome. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. A little nervous, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. I'm uh, very happy to be newly retired and uh, and excited to be a part of Project May Day and talking with you folks about all the ins and outs of a career in the fire service and everything that comes with it. So let's get started. What got you into the fire department? Um, you know, when I was a little kid, I grew up in Marin and um, I was uh, interested, the local firefighters would come and do the county parade, and I would go. I thought of me in front of the fire engine. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. I love the idea of helping people, and um, it wasn't really something little girls did in the 70s. And I always had parents that were very supportive of me doing whatever I wanted, but it wasn't really something I kept going with. Um, and so that kind of fell off. And then right when I finished college, uh, I went to the local Pride Parade. And um, it was the first year, it would have been like 1992-ish. It was the first year that San Francisco Fire Department was allowed by the city and by the department to um, march in the parade. Mm. And they were handing out flyers and the fire engines came by and I was standing there and, um, and just all... All that interest came back, and I yelled something, and one of the firefighters was going by something along the lines of, hey, baby, you can put out my fire, and she handed me over. She walked over and handed me a flyer and said, you can put out your own. Ooh, and, I like um, that. The great line. And <laughs> so good. And it, it stuck with me because I put that flyer in my pocket, and I went home, and um, when I pulled that out, like all those memories of wanting to do that as a kid came back, and... I was working as an office manager at the time, and it was just so different um, than anything that I thought I would actually wind up doing as an adult. And it just, it just stuck with me. I, I got the desire to do it, and I went through the whole process. And a couple of years later, uh, it took time. I uh, got into the job in 1994. So I yeah. was three years old. Well, that makes fun. <laughs> that makes me not not your age. <laughs> uh, so, Cynthia, you know, um, yeah, you got that flyer. You're super pumped. You're in. Mm-hmm. Now you've started. How was uh, probation like for you? And probation, for those listening, is when a newly firefighter comes on duty. It's the first year. It's kind of like a trial period kind of thing. Uh, how was that for you? Um, you know, I would say it was challenging. Um, there were definitely times, um, the first firehouse I was in was kind of really old school. A lot of old guys in there who were surprisingly not 
threatened by me were actually very much kind of in their routine, but kind of saw me really as like a dot their daughter's age was kind of what I felt like. And so I actually got support from them. It was very old school, very, you know, they, San Francisco, they serve the full platter of food on the table, you know, gained my, my pro B10 in about a month and a half. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it was just really traditional firehouse in Chinatown, and um, that experience was pretty good. And then I went to a different firehouse that was much younger people, um, had a great truck boss there, and found that more challenging. Um, that was definitely a group of a lot of really young men who were my age, and oddly enough, to my surprise, uh, they generally had a harder time with it. They were more threatened by a woman who was their peer um, being in the fire service with them. And um, so that was surprising to me. And I definitely had times where I thought about, can I do this? I never wanted to quit, but there were definitely times. I remember one time I went upstairs and wrote down a list of everything I wanted to be in this job, everything I wanted to have from this job and be able to contribute to this job. And, um, and I was just like, I worked too hard to give this up. I'm not quitting. I know I can have this. Yeah, um, that's really interesting because, I mean, all the talks that we've done and spoken to people, it's always the old school, mm-hmm. you know, that are super yeah. resistant. And so with you saying that, especially being in Station 2, right, Chinatown, uh, yeah. old school, yeah. you got old school guys with you, and they're the ones that are more accepting rather than the ones that are your age. That's really, really interesting. Yeah, it was. It was surprising to me. And, um, you know, but a lot of them just kind of were paternal and, you know, saw me as like their daughter and, and it was just mm-hmm. a, you know and, and anything I say about the fire service you know I can't like it state anything mm-hmm. about station two or any firehouse or any group of people I mean you know I had great experiences within any particular group and hard experiences within you know so like none of it's absolute but yeah but that was generally the impression I got in that first year. So Cynthia, you have a really interesting perspective, you know, being in the fire service for 27 years. And currently we still see less than 5% of firefighters being female. In your experience, why do you think that is happening still to this day? Well, that's a really great question. Um, I think there's just still that illusion that women um it's not accessible to women that women just don't think to go into these kinds of jobs into the trades into blue collar you know police fire um i mean statistically i don't know why my guess is um you know i don't know it still bugs me like i see billboards and there's like a picture of a woman firefighter or a female police officer and they're like you know you too can join the fire service and i'm like you know it's it's been three decades that Mm -hmm. women have been in the fire service more than three decades in san francisco and um you know why is it still a you too thing i i don't i don't understand it um so I don't know. I think, you know, I think it's just a matter of reaching out and telling people about this opportunity. I think women are super important to the fire service. They bring a whole different set of skills and um, a whole different set of perspective and balance. And they're part of the community we serve. And just like, you know, any any uh, situation, you want to be able to reflect the community you serve um, within your workforce. So, uh-huh. yeah, I don't have a specific answer for it, but it is a really good question. 
No. Um, and in San Francisco, you know, it celebrates diversity and, and you know, the, the gay culture and, and, and all that and females. Yeah. Is it, it was it the city that kind of drove the department to, to go that route or was it the well, what's your take on that? Uh, well, I mean, there's, you know, the history of it is that there was, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I, I don't have all the information right in front of me, but the, um, there was a consent decree, which was a court-ordered mandate um, that happened in the uh, late 80s, where the city was sued, um, and or the department was sued to um, diversify the department. Um, and at that time, the, there was a court order that a certain percentage of all firefighters be um, within categories of um, women or people of color. Um, so there was uh, a whole period of time where they were mandated to um, hire a more diverse workforce. That since it's expired and you see now that the workforce is becoming more and more white and more and more male. Um, we have we have solid representation of Asians and, um, you know, and I mean, we have all categories in our department, um, which is one of the things I love about the department. It was definitely one of the best parts of the job was being able to sit around the kitchen table and have this huge, diverse group of people all sitting together, having a great meal together and talking. And I always just thought that was the best. Yeah. Absolutely. What was your favorite the department, the department was forced to, to diversify. And so I was part of that wave of hiring. And we all went through the same testing as everyone else. They just had to allow um, women in. They had to literally allow women in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first four women came in in, I say, 90, no, I think it was late 80s. And, you know, and I was like, like I was like in the 60s in terms of women like that had come in. It definitely wasn't the first. I definitely stood on shoulders of women who came in before me and really blazed the trail on that, which was the, not easy. Were you under a uh, female captain or lieutenant when you were coming in? No, uh, I mean, I did have um, female officers. There were some that had, you know, moved up before me, thank goodness. And um, and then I had a lot of really great male officers um, as well um, who were supportive. Um, we had, a, when I right around when I had my son in the late 90s, we, um, we had an all-female crew, one of the first all-female crews. For a while, we had a female captain, and uh, we, have, we had a lot of fun. It was great, you know. We got called different names. We the hen house. The hen house. We're like, awesome. we don't care. We're having fun. You can call us whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Cynthia, you said, you know, this is when you had your son. So, you were pregnant in the firehouse? Yeah. So, I got pregnant in 1999. Uh, when well, my son was born in 1999. Um, yeah. So, I was one of the first. I don't know if I was the first, but I was one of the first women to get. Uh, be pregnant in the department and um, there was really no understanding of how to handle that. <laughs> Don't think that's changed much now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they basically like, were like, okay, so they basically treated me like I was disabled and put me on light duty, um, which was fine. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. I, you know, I, I worked in the department gym for a while and, uh, and did that while I was pregnant and the whole maternity leave policy was a mess and mm-hmm. I just wound up having kind of burned all my time and uh, that's also a bit better now just with different mandates but um yeah so yeah i was pregnant and then you know i came back to work and 
you know, I was I was breastfeeding at the time, and there was that whole kind of like, okay, you know, how do I pump that work? And you're like, you guys I... don't use that milk. That is <laughs> for my baby well, at home. Joke, right? You know, like I had one of the guys was like, give me one of those bags. You know, and they, like, <laughs> pour milk into it, and they put it in the fridge and pull it out and pour it in the cereal. That was pretty funny. Um, yeah, but you know that was it was uh, interesting and challenging. And my uh, my my former wife was also in the um, fire department with me, and so we were actually in the same firehouse together. And hmm. um, you know, and and that was challenging. But different shifts, right? Yeah, we were doing shifts, so she would literally bring Max into the firehouse in the morning and hand him to me, and then I would go home and. You know, the story is always we put him on the lazy Susan in the middle of the big table when he was just a little tiny guy and he'd sit there and everybody would stand around the table and they'd spin him and he'd, he'd go around in circles. <laughs> now spin, I spin, spin the max. Really spin the max. So, yeah. My max. So, he's 21 now. Uh, almost 22. So, is he looking, um, is he yeah, looking you know, I mean, at being a firefighter? Well, right now he's looking at being an engineer. He's he's, uh, he's a senior in college and he's uh, doing his degree in mechanical engineering. Okay, so he's smarter than all of us. <laughs> yeah, I told him to go get his degree. I, you know, I feel like that's important that he has his degree. And you know, if he ever wants to go uh, into public safety, then he has my support. So we'll see. He might, might not. I don't know. No. So let's dive into more of the um, calls. And, uh, you know, 27 years, you have a bunch. I know, uh, you know, yeah. latter part of your career, you went to the uh, um, airport station. However, you know, before that, being in Chinatown, being in all these various areas of San Francisco, what are some calls that kind of stick out to you still that you still kind of, you know, think about on, on those kind of long drives that you that you might have? <laughs> long drives, yeah. Um yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of calls I remember. Um, you know, the ones that really stick with you are the ones that felt really tragic or really hard. Um, you know, the vehicle accidents and um, particularly the ones where you feel like maybe you didn't do something right or you feel like you could have done more. And those are the ones that really stick with you. You know, I mean, I was talking this morning with my wife about it and kind of what calls and you know, there's, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I think, you know, I mean, I know there's like you know, the fire I caught where I have, you know, a mom and a grandma and four of her grandkids all died. And, you know, you, I spent a lot of time upstairs with the coroner afterwards trying to find the bodies because they were all buried under the debris. And, you know, I, I was saying to my wife this morning, I think I just kind of just associated like I kind of pretended I was like on a movie set mm -hmm. and I was you know like this was all just made up and it took me a long time to really go back and look at that and go like well what was that like I really had to just like kind of remove myself from the scene in order to kind of be part of it in any way and be of use and um, you know and I you know I think anytime you have a child or someone who reminds you of someone in your family you love like those kind of calls always stay with you in a really different way you know and I've um, you know I've had to do different things through my career to manage those you know um, where I've either I mean, one of the things I did early on was I made an agreement with myself that if I needed help I was going to go get it and um, and then I and I actually made an agreement with myself that I wasn't going to get it from through the department. Hmm. Um, Why is that? 
Well, honestly, because I just didn't trust it would be kept confidential. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I didn't feel like I would be able to speak freely about it. And I just um, wanted to make sure that I had the resources that I need to really, truly get help if I needed it. And there were definitely times where I would reach out, reach out to a therapist um, or a coworker or a friend or family member and just process out what had happened. And that was usually like, you know, if you have a run, I mean, you go on a lot of runs and you you go home and you don't think about it again, mm-hmm. you know, and then you go on a run and it's still with you a week later and it's still with you a month later. And, and some of them are still with you 27 years later, you know, and, and that's okay. It's okay. They're with you. It's like any experience in life. You have to take those in and absorb it. And, you know, but then the question is, is it being disruptive? Mm-hmm. And if it gets disruptive, then, you know, I would work to get support, um, but I don't always think I did that enough, and I don't always, I don't think I really understood kind of the full impact um, of it all on me. Do you so, think you did enough for yourself? Is that what you mean? I think I could have done more. I think I could have done more. You Mental know, I wellness? Think, yeah, I think I definitely could have done more self-care in that regard. Um, you know, I think I was also in a marriage with someone who had PTSD uh, from a fire incident, and so that impacted my relationship um, and her well-being, and um, and so I have, I have definitely have feelings of sadness about that, and kind of my my not really understanding how much it was impacting her, um, and working more actively to get her support that she needed. Um, you know, I didn't really get it, even though I was in the job. I didn't really understand kind of the impact of PTSD in the way that maybe understand more now you know no i can definitely test that you understand it well in the last year that i've known you um yeah. Yeah. you know when we when we speak offline it's just leaps and bounds of what you say how you were behaving before and how you're you know you're showing up now absolutely yeah, yeah. you know it's really interesting that you said that you made a pact to yourself that you would reach out for help outside of the department um yeah. Do you think that you being a female had anything to do with that? Do you think there was maybe a stereotype that you oh, yeah. were already weaker and so you oh, didn't yeah, want totally. to bring that in? Yeah, that's a big part of it, you know, and and it was a time where, you know, when I first got in the job, there was a period of time where um, there was like a newsletter that was being produced that was being sent to firehouses, it was being sent to people's homes with that would list all the things that the women or people of color had done that were wrong, you know, quote unquote, and you know, this was a chief, they figured out later that was, you know, retired chief who was publishing this and sending it to all the mm-hmm. fire houses. So if any mistake was made or even perceived, it would get broadcast to the whole department. Of course, you know, if the same mistakes were made or perceived for someone who wasn't in a category that they didn't want to, you know, well, they were just young and experienced and they messed up, you know. And so there was definitely a sense of not wanting to be a target, you know. I mean, I did things like, um, you know, I got a PO box just to make sure that like my home address wasn't as easily accessible. Hmm. Um, you know, just things like that. Cause it just felt very like, and I was never subject to that, but I had a lot of friends who were, who were, and it was really devastating to them, you know, cause, and, and the things were often just things that weren't, they were just what happens on the fire ground, you know, equipment doesn't work and things don't go right. And, you know, and that's part of, part of managing any scene and people get called out for it in a really unfair, unbalanced way mm-hmm. in this very kind of rag kind of scandalous thing. And so, yeah, so there was definitely a sense of like not wanting to be a target. And so absolutely, I wasn't going to 
talk to the department about anything. No, yeah. so. you know, and you know, you you've talked about your challenges of being a woman. How about going to the other side of being gay in the fire service? How how are you? How was that? Yeah, you know, I was always out in the fire fire department. I never was in the closet. I was out the minute I you know applied. <laughs> I actually found I think being being queer, being being lesbian was. Um, in some ways, was was a, just a positive thing for me. It, it, you know, there's a community of people in the department. There was a connection there with other women and some men who are out. Um, you know, I was always proud. Of, I've always been proud of who I am. And um, you know, and my wife at the time and I had a baby. And you know, there were stories about that too. But what's the gossip? But. Um, I I was always proud of it, and I never had an issue with it. I didn't find the guys generally had a hard time with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of them didn't seem particularly threatened by it. And um, my guess is that, and I can't speak to this, but my my guess is that the gay men had a harder time with it because wow. um, it's just more threatening. Mm-hmm. So, so now fast forwarding to you know um, you in twenty. 20- six years in, you know, when did you make the decision to, okay, you know, it's time to, it's time to hang it up? Yeah. So I, you know, I really, I moved down to the airport, um, when my son was about 10, so it'd be 2009 ish. And, um, and then I wound up staying down there for the rest of my career. And, um, you know, and the job was great. And I just, over time, I just felt how much more I just wasn't recovering on my days off and the impact on the sleep, um, the impact on just the, the body and, and just the generalized kind of like the, the tension you carry all the time, just getting ready to go to work and being at work. And it's, it's hard to even understand it until you're not in it anymore, you know, and you kind of just live it and you do it and you think you got this and, and that's fine. And I did it for a long time and I, I was really of the mindset that I wanted to, um, I wanted to retire while I was still healthy, while my head was still on straight, while my body was still healthy. I have a lot of friends in the department die of cancer. Um, had two coworkers die from my firehouse in the last month from a heart attack. Mm. Um, it's been really sad. And um, my cat's about to join the meeting here. Um, <laughs> excuse me. And um, I, uh, you know, and, and so there's just really a sense for me of like when, as soon as I was able to financially go, I decided to go because um, I wanted to be able to, I wanted to live my life and be mm-hmm. healthy. No, no, with that, you know, the statistics show firefighters after retirement, you know, five years is kind of like the number. How do you feel? Like, how do you, does that cross your mind? Like, you know, because I'm sure you've been on fires where, you know, that, that mask wasn't sealed on too tight you know and all that and going back yeah. into the fire with all that soot so how do you feel um i mean yeah there's there's really sobering statistics about survival after retirement um and even just survival and the job um you know i feel like i have a better shot at living a longer healthier life mm-hmm. um by retiring a little younger and being able you know, i'm 53 now and being able to um take care of myself just getting regular sleep is huge i mean i've been doing it retirement thing for about a month now and I can already just feel the difference in how I hmm. feel and look and my energy and, and everything. So, you know, I'm hopeful to live a long life. I'm, I'm getting uh, 
getting married this weekend coming up, so I'm I'm uh, hoping to live a long life with a wonderful, wonderful woman who's been kind enough to marry me. <laughs> She's been kind enough. <laughs> That's so nice. I do have a question though about retirement. You're a month out, but you know, do you ever struggle with the identity of you are no longer an active firefighter? Does that bother you at all, or are you were you just ready? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely both. Um, I was definitely ready, and I was really fortunate um, that I was able, able to retire on my own terms. Mm-hmm. I decided when I was going to retire. I was able to, and that does not always happen. People get retired out forcibly by disability or injury um, or sickness all the time. And so uh, I was very fortunate that I was able to make that happen. And yeah, it's a really big shift in identity. Um, You know, just people say, what do you do? And I'm like, well, (laughs) I'm a retired lieutenant from the fire department. You know, and that's not even what I do anymore. It's, it's you know, so I'm I'm kind of I'm right in the, right now in the middle of all this wedding planning, so my brain's like fully caught up in doing that. Um, but I know that once that's done, and kind of the initial kind of excitement of all that um, passes, you know, then there'll kind of be that moment of like, well, what is my identity now, and how do I reform it into mm-hmm. something different? I'm I'm a beginning artist. I'm learning how to perceive Stephen. Bought one of my first. Teams. Yes, I did. You're a paid, you're a paid artist. Paid artist. <laughs> paid artist because of G. Uh, you know, Twenty so bucks. I, I definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. So I. Um, yeah. So I'm just really wanting to travel and learn and continue with my art classes and then. Um, just my parents are older, you know, mm-hmm. and I really want to have time with them while they're still, you know, healthy and and capable of really being with me and. Um, and yeah, so yeah, it is a real shift. There's definitely been some pretty weird highs and lows in the last month. Like there's mornings I wake up and I feel really blue. And I'm just like, what What the heck is that? You know, and then there's mornings where I'm just wake up and I'm like, woo, I'm retired. <laughs> I, I expect that it'll just go that way for a while. And there'll be moments where I'm like, okay, I really have to think about what's next. And some concrete decisions, but I have that power to totally decide what I want to do with my life right now. And I have the, you know, the, the time and the, the freedom to do those things. So, yeah. so uh, I'm very, I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Um, kind of wrapping things up. I do want to ask you this before we get into our rapid fire. Uh, you know, you're about to get married. So what's, what's, what are the, some things that you're looking forward to, in, you know, with Chris, your fiance? Uh, well, now that, you know, I mean, hopefully in this pandemic totally wound down and it's really safe, you know, we, we definitely want to travel, um, you know, she's gone back to school. I, I might go back to school and maybe get a master's in fine art. I don't know. Um, definitely taking classes, reading books. Um, it's just, it's all about experiences at this point in my life. It's not about things. I just really want to have as many experiences as I can, um, with her and, um, just get to enjoy, enjoy life, you know, so. So Cynthia, if you um, had to give advice to any females out there who have even considered yeah. going into the fire service, what would you tell them? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would just say it's a great career and it's a great career for women. Um, it's, it's just a fantastic job um, to get into 
and it's a great job to raise a family within. You get, you know, you have time off on, you can move your days around. You can, you know, I had, I was able to go to all the school events and make that work. Um, and I really feel like as women, we're, we're capable of just bringing so much to the fire service uh, and to our communities. And, you know, and, and we totally can do the job. I've been watching women do this job for decades and uh, we do a great job. Absolutely. Uh, more than capable and uh, in all regards. So I, I think it's a great job, you know, and, you know, I think if you get into the job and you're doing it, you know, it's really important to learn about uh, the impact of things on you early on. And I think there's more attention to that now than there was when I came in. People talk a lot more about mental health and the impact on you. And, um, you know, and I, I think I got pretty lucky um, that I was able to take care of myself the way I was. But, you know, not everybody kind of has that mindset and people do a lot of things that aren't helpful. Um, and so it's important to learn about that stuff early in your career and figure out how to kind of take care of yourself in a really solid way. Mm -hmm. yeah. Stuff happens and it's just more than you can cope with on your own. And that's okay. That's Absolutely. Right. That's no, right. for sure. Definitely. Yeah. You, you have to call out. Um, so Cynthia, it's time. It's time for rapid fire. You know when you got that you, you when you got that flyer back in the day uh, that you can put out your own fire. Now it's time to put out your own fire. Okay, all right. Here, here, we, go. Go. here we go. Here we go. Uh, so the, <laughs> the rule is you have to answer in one word or one phrase. That's it. Okay. All right. I know that retired brain of yours. You know, I don't know about rules, but uh, <laughs> no, I, like I might be a thinker. But <laughs> so one word or one phrase. Brie Tato. Okay, first question. Is there anything you're superstitious about? Uh, graveyard. Mm. Graveyard. Oh, she got a black cat, so I know that wasn't it. That is true. Not cats. No, not cats at all. All right, graveyard. Like, what? what what's the superstition? What's not the superstition? No, no, that, that was my bad. Was, I don't understand the rules. I don't understand the rules. Okay, <laughs> number two. If you had to work but didn't need any money, what would you do? I'd work with kids and teach maybe art, um, something with little little people. I love little kids. <laughs> They're awesome. All right. Anytime I have three, if you want to be upset. Okay. Uh, question number three. If your life was a movie, what genre would it be? That would be a romantic drama. All right. Number four. If you had a yacht, what would you name it? Um, then Halo. Halo? And Halo. Oh. It's, and uh, desire. Or des want in Spanish. Okay. okay. Right. Learning things. Like yeah. That. All right. Last question. Uh, what is one word to describe being retired? Relief. Relief. Mm. Oof. That's a good way That's, to sum this up. Yeah, for sure. Heavy. Yeah. Heavy. There's heavy. a lot of relief. Yeah, and you. I mean, knowing you when you were in and now you're not in, you could just see it on your face. Like it, it yeah. that relief, you can definitely sense it. The way you talk, the way you just the way you carry yourself, strong, powerful woman. I mean, not that you weren't that when you were in, but it, you just yeah. absolutely that is priority. You yourself is a priority, and we're really happy that you're taking that on. And uh, one you. month in, one month in, wedding coming up. It's all yeah, up and up. It's all good. No, I'm I'm super super grateful for everything and 
you know, and it's been great knowing you too and getting to be part of the, the whole project you did uh, with the basic and everything. That was amazing. So yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, Cynthia. Well, thank you so much for your service, 27 years, and thank you, thank you for coming on, and have a fantastic wedding. And we will see you soon. All right. All right. Uh, you take care. This is Project Mayday. Call out. Call out. I